when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Good, man. I am live in Tijuana, Mexico, of all places. I don't know. Am I your first guest from Tijuana, Mexico? You are my first guest from Tijuana, Mexico. I've had international people, but this is the first one that's gone across the border. So tell me about the book first, man. What what got you into the no pants thing? And please don't stand up in the middle of this, okay? <laughs> well, it's cold, so I'm actually wearing pants today. My staff will tell you I never wear pants. I'm always in shorts. <laughs> Uh, but getting back to your question, you know, what inspired me to write the book? So obviously, you know, we had this thing called COVID that mm-hmm. happened in March of 2020 and it really shook the world and everybody had to go virtual, right? I mean, like so many businesses were forced to close right? and, and we kind of had to figure out how we would operate virtually. And my company, we had the benefit of having gone virtual multiple times before, for example, like we were moving our office and the construction took a lot longer. And so everybody was working from home. The nature of what we do too, you know, like we can hire people anywhere across the world. Right. So we had this big advantage where we had the operational systems already in place. And what that did for us is we were able to just grow exponentially during COVID while a lot of these companies were still trying to figure it out. You know, like Mm -hmm. you have a traditional business that's never used Zoom before it's a big change. Uh, you know, for us, it was kind of like second nature because we'd been doing it for so long. And I was like, man, I got, I got to document this. I got to show people what it takes to actually build a virtual company. And I basically took everything that I'd learned over the past 10 years, wrote it into a book, uh, and basically gave people a playbook for how to grow their business uh, from a virtual standpoint. Right. One. So we've seen, we've seen a lot of things happen during the pandemic from a lot of different angles. But one of the major things that, there are two core things that are basically hanging over our heads right now. One Mm -hmm. is supply chain, the other one is talent, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the two big things that you have to be able to balance. And so we've seen, um, like you said, I mean, you know, finding, retaining people, I mean, people getting headhunted away, all that other stuff has been a major challenge. But so why did you, when you put all this stuff together, I mean, who, 
who did you put your book together for? Who were you talking to and, and who's responded to it the most? So we work specifically with marketing agencies. So mm -hmm. almost all the content that I put out is, is for uh, marketing agencies. And that's essentially who I was writing my book for. Mm -hmm. Are there other people that can take away, you know, some big or get some big takeaways from the book? Absolutely. But specifically everything that I write is for marketing agencies, because I think it's one of the hardest businesses that you could possibly do. Mm -hmm. Having owned a marketing agency myself and been in this business for over 10 years, um, it's unbelievably challenging. Um, so that's, that's who I write for. And I, what the, the biggest takeaways that I want people to get from my book are why is it so difficult? Um, why is it so difficult to go remote? Mm -hmm. Why are some people incapable of operating remote? Um, what does the future look like and how am I going to be able to succeed? Not just today, but you know, in two, three, 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. um, and then just some very practical things that you can implement in the business. That's going to help you to, to be successful. For example, one of the things that we do at Dude is a daily deadline meeting. So we have a bunch of different um, teams that we call pods. Mm -hmm. um, I've got almost 100 employees now. And, and so each pod meets every morning, 8.30 a.m. Pacific time, and they go through all the projects. It's like a stand-up meeting. Mm -hmm. And every team member has to say whether or not they are on track to hit the deadline. Mm-hmm. And it gives people the opportunity to, to ask for help if they need. And it gives them, a, you know, 15 minutes to to connect with each other and feel like they're actually part of a team. And then if somebody's uh, behind on a deadline or they're a little bit worried about hitting a deadline, then they can ask for help. And whoever is able to help them can stay on the call and give them guidance. So that's that's a very, very practical thing that I, that any company, but specifically marketing agencies can take and implement that into their standard operating procedures so that we're delivering for the clients and making sure that we're hitting deadlines and everything is getting done on time and on budget. Yeah, I love the concept. And basically what you're doing is, is taking the virtual world, bringing everybody together as if they're in the same room and giving them the same opportunity. So you're yep. trying to transform basically digital into in-person as best you possibly can. Absolutely. Which is very cool. So as we go through the process here, of of what a digital agency needs to do and i think a lot of this does apply to every company in one way shape or form when a digital agency comes to you guys i'm mm -hmm. assuming that they're they're coming to you because they have a pain point we all understand you know the pain point selling and all that fun stuff but i'm guessing that more often than not the pain point that they're feeling is not really the problem it's a perceived problem right right so there's a usually a you know, there's a trigger going on that I think this kind of aligns with what you're doing is getting people to realize, you know, what the perceived problem is. And then we'll talk about what the real problem is. So can Absolutely. you kind of dig into that a little bit? And the main thing that people come to us for is they say, I have all these projects. I I'm way behind schedule. Mm -hmm. It's preventing me from being able to sell more projects. I need you to give me some designers, developers, project management, you know, mm -hmm. um, I need you to help me staff, right? So that's right. the problem that they believe that they have. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a real problem. I mean, they are backlogged, but I, I like to look at like, how did we get to this point? Like, why did you sell a bunch of projects? And then why were these projects not able to get fulfilled on time? Mm -hmm. And then what's the impact that that has on the business? 
So essentially what we do is we look at what they, the projects that they have now, we start working with them, and then we start looking at the uh, standard operating procedures, the SOPs mm -hmm. and the processes that they have. Gotcha. Most of the time, the agencies don't have any processes. Right. So we have to actually go in and identify, okay, what are the processes that you actually have? We do this thing called a process map. It's essentially mm -hmm. just a flow chart. We make it on Lucid chart. Right. And it's like a visual representation of how things are supposed to go. Mm -hmm. You would be shocked as to how many agencies have never actually done this before. So as we're laying things out in a visual format, people are like, wow, like, I didn't recognize that that's actually what we're doing. Why are we doing that? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to make that more efficient? So over time, we start to improve their processes uh, and help them with that. And then the third thing, this is like the third big thing, is just identifying budgets. Mm -hmm. So uh, I like to ask people when they say, hey, I want to scale. I need to grow my team. I ask them, what do you have in the budget? Because the budget is really going to dictate who we can hire right. and where we can hire mm -hmm. because we all need to be maintaining a healthy margin. And for those that don't know, I encourage everybody to have a 70% gross margin, meaning mm -hmm. that uh, if you sell a project for 10 grand or a hundred grand, uh, you need to be able to get that project done for 30% of what you sold it for. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of people who say, you know, anywhere from 50 to 70% to gross margin. I say 70%. The reason I say that is because uh, it's very common that a project will go uh, longer than what we expected. Mm -hmm. And agency people are the nicest people on earth. And oftentimes we are not billing for additional revisions or any little like, project scope changes. Right. And and that eats into our margin. So at 70% gross margin, even if your project goes a little bit off the rails, you will still be able to make money. Right. Um, so that gives you a little bit of wiggle room for any um, operational hiccups that happen. So we have to look at the budget. And then once we establish the budgets, then we can identify, you know, where we're going to go and look for people and mm -hmm the beauty of what we have now is that you know you you can get access to talent that you didn't even know existed before mm -hmm. like mexico for example right uh, or south america so those are kind of like the three key things that uh i want agencies to be aware of is okay let's let's get these projects done let's look at the inefficiencies that we have in the processes and then now let's figure out how we're going to scale our operations profitably mm -hmm. by establishing budgets and then filling those gaps uh, as we grow and not um, exceed what we have in the budget. Right. And so you you basically talked about a handful of things, and I think we'll dig into this a little bit further on when we get into sure. the solution and the process. But one of the key points that you're bringing up that I think it's uber important is number one, um, it's what you sell and who you sell to is really important, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are selling web services, let's bring that, you know, just to say websites, okay, what does web services mean? So you, you've got a guy on staff that is a web guy, right? And mm -hmm. he can design websites. Nowadays, 
with the technology and the cloud and the things that are changing, the guy that was doing web in 2000 that was hand coding everything in, in you know, um, TypePad, you know, is no longer the web guy that is going to be able to integrate Zapier into WordPress, into Salesforce, into Drupal, into, you know, Microsoft Dynamics. I mean, it, you know, the world is changing around us so fast. So I think one yeah. of the things that people tend to do when they're creating, you know, their business is they tend to sell to their strengths without looking at what the market is there. So they're trying to squish yeah. that, uh, you know, basically squish a square peg into a round hole. Would you agree Absolutely. with that? Have you seen that a lot? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I have seen that. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think that the purpose of marketing, uh, and I'm probably not the pers first person to say this, is that we're, we're here to drive more leads and engagements and mm -hmm. ultimately increase revenue, right? right? That's the whole purpose of what we do. The different tools that you use to get there, the media that you use to get there, all, it, it changes, right? Right. Most of the marketing agencies that are still standing today have some foothold in an industry or with a technology and they can get results. Mm -hmm. Because the ones who, who couldn't get results, they died off pretty quickly in 2020. Right. Um, and so now it's a matter of, okay, so we can get really good results for our clients. We mm -hmm. know what's working. And and how are we going to be able to grow the company so that we're still making money? That's, mm -hmm. I think, the biggest challenge that, that marketing agencies uh, are facing right now. I would have to agree. So we've talked about the perceived problem, where, where they think the problem is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to try to summarize this and maybe you can add to it. Sure. I think the real problem that the agencies have, number one, obviously, is a people problem and a process problem, right? Mm -hmm. The real problem is they don't have the the processes set up and they also don't have the the people set up to fulfill those processes. They may have holes in those gaps. And so the question becomes with part of this, and I think it's kind of dig into the solution is, how do how do you as a company or how does the company itself identify their processes in a way that's going to help them realize that hey you know i need a full-time employee to do this but i can bring in a project person to come and fill in these gaps at this time yeah. i think the solution is understanding the scope of what you need and then how to fill the gaps as they come in would you agree with yeah that? yeah absolutely I, de I definitely agree i'll give you an example Actually, let me frame this so that everybody can understand, like the agency owners in general are, mm -hmm. or the, the first core team members are typically what we call unicorns in the sense that they can do a bunch of different things, right? right. They're good at design. They're good at, you know, they've got some background in development. They can write copy. They know how to run ads, mm -hmm. you know, like we are the unicorns, for example. And so when we're building out processes that are supposed to help us scale, we we build out processes where you can only fill those roles with unicorns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like saying, you know, I'm not a basketball guy, so I'm going to use an older reference, but it's like saying, like, I'm going to win every NBA championship. I just need uh, Michael Jordan on my team. I need Kobe Bryant. I need Shaquille O'Neal, you know, right. and I need three of those people, I right. need three of each, right? They don't exist. And this is the challenge that agency owners have is that we're building out processes where it's impossible to fill those roles. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you a story. So we were working with this agency. They've been around for, I wanna say like 40 years. Mm -hmm. And they're one of those agencies that had got and got, gone from traditional you know, print and then they started integrating digital. 
and they have a really good niche. Uh, I believe it's like consumer package kids. So they're working with very big clients mm -hmm. and we're start, we start going through their process map. Um, and it's, I think it was me and two other team members on that call and we're mapping things out on our, you know, little lucid chart. Mm -hmm. And then after they get through this very, very complex design process, they essentially had one step that they were doing where they were kind of changing the entire scope of the project. I can't remember what they called it, but it was like a development reassessment essentially. So they would get all these design mockups approved and they would start right before they were going to start development, they would have a call with the client and then they would say, okay, we just approved all these designs. What are the things that you want to change? So that was completely like throwing off any sort of like operational, like, like, uh, processes that we wanted to, to have mm -hmm. because we just chucked all those design mockups that we created. And then they never recognized how that was creating these future bottlenecks because they never looked at the project like that. You know, right. they never looked at the process like that, I should say. And so I asked them, I was like, Hey, like, why are you guys doing this? What's the reason? And nobody had a good answer. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, yeah, we need to either throw this out or move it around in the process so that we're mm -hmm. not creating uh, scope creep for ourselves. Or chaos. It was <laughs> chaos. I mean, I look at it, I'm like, you're losing a lot of money because of this. Right. Um, but yes, all of the above, scope creep, chaos, losing profitability, and nobody had a good answer. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things where like most agency people are not really process driven. Like I'm kind of a weirdo like that. I enjoy process the way that my brain is wired. I'm obsessed with efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, so I enjoy looking at all the little steps and, and, and basically like questioning, why are we doing certain things? Mm -hmm. Who is doing this? How long is that supposed to take? And then I'm also looking big, big picture. And I'm thinking about, um, okay, so who has to fill this role and how available are these people? Mm -hmm. If we, if we build the, the most, you mentioned this earlier, actually, we can build the most amazing process ever, but if we can't find people at scale to do the work, it's not a good process and we have to figure it, re retool it so that we can actually staff this process that we've created. You, you've really laid it out in a way that I think makes a lot of sense. And I think the key thing that we have to do now is start to identify the steps, right? So, mm -hmm. and I'm a hundred percent with you. I am a, um, you know, I'm a unicorn number one, but the other thing is I'm a process guy, right? Mm -hmm. I am such a, uh, systems geek, right? I like systems. Systems are, you know, they're repeatable, they're measurable, they're, um, pliable. There are things that you can do, right? And so the better your system, the better you're going to see the results. And again, when, when you're talking about hiring talent, like what you guys do, you're finding ways to plug people in to the system that's been created. So as a unicorn, yes. as somebody who is running an agency, you've got to identify, okay, where do I need things to get fixed? But I think everything starts from the top, right? In order to create the process, you have to identify what's the end goal. So what are what's the first step that they've got to look at? You know, we understand the outcome, but what's, what's the first thing that they need to do if they're gonna go down this road of trying to build their agency? What, what do you suggest they look at? Oh man, there's, there's a few different ways that you could do it. Um, I take the least fun approach and the least sexy approach is we <laughs> gotta look at the numbers. We yep. have to look at the numbers. Um, simple thing to do is just look at what your gross margin is. So there, there's, there's essentially six 
main reasons why an agency is not um, hitting their financial goals. Mm -hmm. So like if you're an agency owner and you're not making the type of money that you want, if your company is not profitable, like if, you're, if your net income is not at least 20%, there's and you and you're not personally not making the kind of money that you want. There's typically six reasons, and I'll give them to you right now. So the first okay. one, the most common, is that your cost of goods is too high. So just to define what is cost of goods for us, it's typically the labor that goes into completing projects to mm -hmm. doing deliverables, right? So right. if we're building websites, it's the designers, the developers, the copywriters, the project managers. Um, as I mentioned before that number that cost of goods should be 30 percent, and there's software that goes into that as well but that that cost of goods should be 30 percent, leaving you with a gross margin of 70 percent mm -hmm. that's the number one reason why my agencies are not successful financially the second one and this doesn't happen very often but then our operating expenses are too high the most common one is that we're paying ourselves or some key team members we're just paying too much for mm -hmm. what our revenue is or you're still sitting, you still have that office space in that big office building. I was with literally the big... just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there to those agencies. That's all, you know, I mean. You know, you, you think that it's going to help you win clients, but right. I think that the past couple of years have proven that it, it, we really don't need that massive expense uh, to be able to, to win new business and, and maintain relationships with customers and definitely not to work with employees. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, that massive rent that you have, we don't need that. Um, but operating expenses is usually the second thing that we look at, or it's the second thing that we look at. The next one, and this is very common, is when you see peaks and valleys in sales. So like if your sales go up one month because you're chasing new business and now you get stuck in this fulfillment trap and you stop prospecting and then you, know, you finish the projects that you have and guess what? We don't have anybody in the pipeline. And then mm -hmm. so you got to scramble like crazy, get new projects. And then so then when you have that inconsistency with your sales, it's very, very hard to grow the business right. because you've got expenses and it's just you need that predictability in your new revenue. And that's business 101. I talk about this yeah. from a marketing standpoint. What I say to people is that when you are the busiest, that's when you should be marketing the hardest because otherwise Absolutely. you do automatically and people don't see that. It's like you hit the gas and you take it up and you hit the gas and take it up and it, you mm -hmm. can't see it because you're so busy working that right. you don't see that you're not spending enough time marketing yourself and there are two two ways to deal with that number one you have people in house that do it right or number two mm -hmm. you hire an agency to market your agency <laughs> right 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 yeah absolutely um so anyways the, the, the third thing it was sales the the fourth one and this is something that i'm super passionate about is churn rate Mm -hmm. So if you're an agency and your churn rate and you're selling monthly recurring services, if your churn rate's over 3%, you got a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it depends on what your offering is, how big the agency is, what type of clients you have. But typically, you should not be churning clients at more than 3%. Let's just be very clear as how we measure churn rate. How many clients did we start the month off with and how many did we lose regardless mm -hmm. of how many clients we brought in? So if you start the month with 100 customers and you lose three, that means that your churn rate is 3%. Mm -hmm. It's very important that you calculate that number correctly. You can also deduce your customer lifetime value based on your churn rate and your average revenue per unit. But churn rate in general, you have to manage your churn rate. If you're churning clients like crazy, it's typically because 
One, they don't feel like they're getting the results that you promised them. Mm -hmm. And I emphasize the word feel because it's a very emotional decision to work with an agency. You really do have to invest in managing the relationship and building that trust with the client. Mm -hmm. Because what happens when you bring on a new customer? The day that you sign them up, they're, they're thinking to themselves, man, did I make the right decision? Am right. I going to get burned like I did with that other agency that promised me the world and didn't give me anything? So there's all this buyer remorse. The second right. thing that happens is they have your competitors in their ear, cold calling them, saying, what are they getting you? I can do it cheaper. I can do it better. I can get you better results every single day. Mm -hmm. Five times a day, they're getting people calling them that. If you don't have a solid relationship with that client, meaning that they know who you are, mm -hmm. they can speak to you at any moment, they know exactly who to communicate with, and they actually trust you. You know, they feel like you are a part of their company. Mm -hmm. If you don't have those three things into place, then you have a very good chance of losing that customer, even if technically you're getting them good results. So you have to manage that churn rate. It's very, very important. Um, and then the four, the fifth thing is going to be the uh, what you're charging. So we call it average revenue per unit. Um, so whatever you're charging, like you can be the best. You can have the greatest uh, gross margin. You can have the greatest uh, operational expenses, net income, you can have the best sales, uh, you know, you're hitting your sales targets, your churn rate is great. But if you're charging too little, there's never going to be enough money left over for you. And there's probably not going to be enough money to reinvest back into a company so that you can truly scale right. our costs as agencies are going up. It's just the fact that I mean, like, the costs in general are going up. Right. Everybody is hearing about inflation and how it's, you know, the inflation is up the the highest since what like the 1970s mm -hmm. um so that is a real thing costs are going up so you have to manage that average revenue per unit you have to make sure that you are charging enough so that you're also uh building a business that has the money to be able to pay you um and and grow mm -hmm. and the last one is the leadership team so most of us started out we kind of are accidental entrepreneurs like I don't, I can count on one hand, the number of agency owners that have built a, a really solid agency that went to formal business school. Mm -hmm. like, we just didn't do that. Right. It, like I didn't, I didn't go to business. Actually, actually I've never taken a formal college level business course. I've taken tons of courses through other entrepreneurs that I know, but I've never taken a collegiate uh, business or entrepreneurship course. And ironically, I was uh, part of a panel at my university, uh, UC Santa Barbara. They have an entrepreneurship program that's like volunteer, and I was one of the mentors. Mm -hmm. So while I've never learned anything formally, I was kind of teaching university students. Um, but because of this deficiency, we don't know how to build out our different departments. And we don't know when we need to release control and hire somebody to take over something like customer experience, mm -hmm. like you know, like managing our finances, hiring a CFO, how to hire an operations manager, how to hire a chief operating officer. You know, we don't know how to build out these different departments, and you as the owner are always going to be the bottleneck. So you need to be able to recognize hey, I'm a bottleneck here. This is why we're struggling. I need to go out and I need to fill somebody 
to be on my leadership team that can start making better decisions and they can get to this work that I've been putting off. Right. If somebody works with the system that you're talking about and reads your book and maybe even hires your company, what's when do they know success? What is the outcome? What's the KPI for them that says, you know what, we're, we're kind of, you know, now we're cranking on all cylinders. Now things are mm -hmm. working. Give me a success story. Tell me about an outcome that really yeah. excites you. So this is the interesting thing because I don't ever tell anybody what success is to them because mm -hmm. everybody is different, right? right? So for me, I love to travel. A, a definition of success for me at this point in my life is that we get to travel, you know, at least once a month. Mm -hmm. Last month, we took a trip to Puerto Vallarta last last minute. Um, in two weeks, we're going to Miami and then we're going up to New York for, for a long weekend. You know, like these things are part of how I define success. So each individual has their version of success and that might change over time. Mm -hmm. Nothing is more important than your health. Mm -hmm. So when your physical health is going well, then that to me, that's when people feel happy. Like that's one element for feeling happy and fulfilled and successful. Mm -hmm. Second one is your mental health. Everybody's mental health has been challenged over the past two years. Um, it's just been, it's been very difficult. And actually right now, I, I'm sure everybody's mental health is being uh, tested as well because of all the crap that's going down in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to be, you know, bombed to smithereens in the next month. Um, but your mental health and being able to manage your emotions and your stress is very, very important. Mm -hmm. The third thing are relationships, right? You're, you have to have healthy relationships. People, You have to have people around you that love you, that care about you, that you can rely on, that they can rely on you. That's very, very important. And the fourth thing is the business. So if you, uh, and, and your business success can be anything to you, right? Mm -hmm. I, I personally feel like everybody deserves the kind of money that they want to make, whether mm -hmm. that be $90,000 a year or $900 million a year, whatever that is to you, I want you to be able to go out and do that. If you have all four of those things in alignment and everything is working well, you're typically a happy, successful, or you feel successful, and you're a very fulfilled individual. That's my personal belief. Hey, Chris, this has been just a blast, number one. Number two, amazing. You came on and dropped just amazing, sizzling, hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. If people wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you and or your book? Uh, yeah, so you can go to dudeagency.io if you want to learn more about what we do. Um, you can get a free copy of my book. I'll give you the PDF. Just go to neverwearpantsagain.com. Put in your email, um, and I think your name too. We'll give you a PDF uh, copy of the book. You can buy a physical copy of the book. Just go to Amazon. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with me, I have no problem giving out my email chris at dudeagency.io. Excellent. Hey, Chris, man, this has been amazing. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember... It's all about the bacon.